Welcome to tonight. I, um, Miles comes right up to me after Sunday school and said, have you had, seen the outlines? I said, no. Goes, I think we, um, we come pretty close to each other. And you've got your outlines there. They, they are similar in what they have stated, but we are coming from different angles and the Lord knows and we shouldn't be surprised at that. The Lord works and knows that sometimes we need things repeated a few times for it to sink in. So, for me anyway. But tonight we'll be looking at God's dwelling place. Um, this morning, uh, through Miles' message, we're looking at, at the individual and how they can dwell with the Lord. And I think they will um, dovetail very nicely together. Um, if you can turn to Psalm chapter 27 to begin with. I want to read a couple of verses there. Psalm chapter 27, verses 4 and 5. It says there in verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that your word is perfect from start to finish. And Lord, you thank, thank you that you've given us a dwelling place within you. Lord, and that through all history, you've always wanted to dwell with man. Lord, and Lord, please help us to... Um, or help me, Lord, to, to expand your word and help it not to be my words but yours. In wonderful and precious name, amen. So, again, we're looking at um, a psalm that David had written down or David had penned. And here we can see he's longing to dwell with God. And as Miles said this morning, he is a qualified person. The things he went through in life were um, hard. So if, if a man had to describe on how to dwell with God, it was him. His, his one desire to be with God in his house and to get to know him more and more. David knows that when he is close to God, he is safe and God will protect him. I want to look through scriptures tonight that show throughout earth's history, God has always wanted to dwell with man. <clears throat> it's always been uh, to have a personal relationship with man and for, more, for man to glorify him in a perfect way. That's always been his want and his longing from creation. Unfortunately, man has not always chosen to dwell with God and has turned away from him and tried to hide from him because of the sin that has come between us. And every single one of us are affected in that way. So as we go through human history, I want to show how God's always reached out to us. He's always wanted to dwell dwell with us and it's only our sin that gets in the way so the first point there and there's no way we're going to cover it all tonight um I've, i think the thing that i've learned after listening to dad for 29 or 30 years is that you wait prepare way too much and only do the first point and that may be the case tonight but if we turn to genesis chapter 3 And the first point I want to look at is God's dwelling place on earth with man. And it covers a few different things under that point. And the first passage I want to look at is 
Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. And it says there, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? God wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. He wanted to dwell with Adam and Eve. He wanted to have sweet fellowship with them and walk together through the cool of the day. God chose a time when it was peaceful and the business of the day was over and they could talk without thinking of things that had to be done. I believe that this would have been a daily occurrence between God and man at this time. But unfortunately, the first time that is mentioned in the Bible, it's at a time that man has sinned and they are trying to hide from God. God full well knew where they, what they had done and where they were. God's omnipresence and omniscience is God, sorry, God is omnipresent and omniscient, but Adam and Eve thought God would not find them. And what a silly thought that was. But do we do the same thing to God today? When we sin, there's a separation. That's what sin does. When we sin, do we avoid our prayer time? Does it affect how we read God's word? Our devotion time. I know personally that if there's a sin that I haven't dealt with, it, it starts to bring that divide. You read God's word, but your mind's not there. You read God's word, but the gems aren't coming out. And it affects that relationship. In prayer, I find that I do a quick prayer, and I try to gloss over it, ask for the things that I want and go. It has caused a division, just as it caused a division here. And that's why God asks us to, to confess our sins every day. This is a sad, sad time in human history, but God in his great love did not just exterminate men right there. And we're talking about this in our um, Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago. Any one of us, or maybe it's just me, would have been, all right, I've made a perfect world. I've created everything perfect. It was all good. God said that himself. He set this perfect world up. He created man from the dust of the earth. Here you go. He wanted to dwell with him and have fellowship with him. And the first thing man does is sins. Well, I would have gone, bang, you're all dead. I'm starting again. But that's not God. He endured and he had a plan to save man and to regain a way of man to dwell with him. His great love. And we won't fathom that until we get to heaven. Our human-affected, sin-affected hearts and minds cannot understand that intense love God has, that intense want. And I was going to open with a, a bit of an illustration. When we think about this, I thought, what's the closest we can get to that? That feeling of wanting to dwell with someone. And I thought, well, when I was a child, you know, that sort of, you start to get friends and you always want to be with your friends. You try to do anything to be with your friends. Straight after the service, you start scheming on how you're going to get to your friend's place and spend as much time with them as you can. And if Dad gives you a, a missed sort of answer, you go to Mum and Ark said, no, you don't. You don't do that. But that's what I did because I was sinful. Another thing that popped in my head was um, when me and Mel started to get a bit more serious in our relationship, I always wanted to spend as much time as I could with her. 
sometimes it was silly how much time and <laughs> but it was good but I, I always on Friday night starts for the kids club it finished I drove to Wagga and most sometimes it'd be Monday morning I'd leave to get back to work here on, on Monday morning at seven it was silly when I look at that I should have just left on Saturday morning come back Sunday afternoon but we do those things because we want to dwell with that person we want to get to know them and that was just a small glimpse of our human want to be with someone and get to know them. So we can only imagine the want that God has to dwell with us. So Adam and Eve, they sinned, just as any one of us would have sinned. But God wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. Next I want to look at, and sometimes people say, well, from Adam and Eve right through to the tabernacle, God really didn't do much he didn't dwell with men but that's not true he did and i want to look at different men and um not all of them but just different ones that i've picked out that god walked with them and talked with them and guided them the next passage i want to look at is just a bit further along in in genesis chapter 5 verse 21 to to 3 to 24 and it says there and enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat methuselah and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. <clears throat> and, he, and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So we can see here, Enoch walked with God. And I've left plenty of blanks in your um, fill-outs tonight. Sorry about that. I'm used to my Sunday school class. They've got lots of fill-outs, so I've just carried on that, that way of teaching. But Enoch walked with God. Enoch actively sought to dwell with God in his life after Methuselah was born. We don't know exactly why. The Bible doesn't say. It may have been that God had showed him that once Methuselah was, born, uh, was going to die once his lifetime was up the flood was going to come and how wicked the world was going to get by that time maybe the fact that everyone around him may have been falling into wickedness and walking away from god drove him closer to god what an example this is to us that he was walking so close with god and dwelling with god that god took him to dwell in heaven wicked we sort of all wish that would happen. And I know that um, as we look for the day and we see the days getting worse and worse, we, we want that rapture to happen. Sometimes maybe I think that's a little bit um, irresponsible of us because before the Lord comes, that means we can reach out for the lost and that's what we need to be focused on. But it is a comfort to know that one day he will come. But God took Enoch to dwell with him. It would not have been that life for Enoch was super easy. It was that he wanted to serve God and walk with him in a wicked world because he loved God. Do we say sometimes we will walk with God or we would walk with God if our life was just that little bit easier? If our life was just, we had this in it or once we get our house and set up, that's when I'll walk with God or I'm young. I want to enjoy life. I'll leave that till I'm old and boring. That's not how we should think. God wants us to be faithful now. God wants to dwell with us now. 
And we're only talking about this this morning in Sunday school that um, I can't remember what we're alluding to. Um, Jesus, at 12 years old, he was in the, tab- um, in the tabernacle, in the temple, sorry, um, talking with the, um, the lawyers and the priests, and they were astounded at his knowledge. And the challenge was to the, the students. They said, at 12, year old, 12 years old, what were you doing? If you got away from your mum and dad, where would you go? I know I'd be over at the play <laughs> playground somewhere or doing something irresponsible, but not Jesus. And that's a challenge. I threw that challenge out. Are we maturing? Are we trying to walk with God no matter what stage of life we're in? Like Enoch, he walked with God. We don't know why it was only once Methuselah was born that he decided to walk with God or got more serious about it. But we need to constantly, through our whole life, no matter what stage, build that relationship and dwell with God. The next person I want to look at, if we go over to chapter 6, just over the page, and verses 8 and 9, and a few different verses I'll pick out, but verse 8 and 9, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. If we skip over to 8.15, we can see that this is constant through Noah's life. In chapter 8, verse 15, it says, And God spake unto Noah and said, said, saying, sorry, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. And then again in verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, God, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And in verse 8, And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying... So we can see here, through Noah's whole life, Noah walked with God and talked with God. Noah was a just man in his day. Just as Enoch walked with God... Noah walked with God. God did not take Noah because he had a plan for him, just as he did Enoch. And we know that that, um, God had a a purpose for him. It was to build the ark and to save the human race from extinction due to their wickedness. God wanted Noah to be involved and dedicated to his plan fully, and Noah certainly did so. And um, we're talking at Tuesday night classes about Noah. And we talked about different things that he would face, the different pressures that he would face. There would have been financial pressures. Imagine building a boat this size on uh, one wage. It would have been impossible, but God provided. He had faith. There would have been extended family that had gone off the rails and were in wickedness and telling him, you're a fool. What are you doing building an ocean liner on the earth? That's not where you build one. It never rained, and he was preaching to the people that they must repent. It was only because he dwelt with God, he walked with God, he talked with God. Without compromise to the wicked world he was living in, he walked with God and carried out God's plan. Even though Noah, at the end of his life, did sin, he got right with God and finished his race well before he went and he dwelt with God. We go over to Genesis chapter 12. I'm skipping, these, skipping through these pretty quickly and hopefully we can cover the first two points tonight. Um, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, 
Get thee out of the country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. So Abram talked with God. Abram was another man that wanted to dwell with God. And God said to Abram, pack up shop and move to a strange country that I will show you. Get out of your comfort zone. Get away from your family. And I'll show you where to go. I'm not going to tell you where, but just get ready to go and let's go. That's a bit of a challenge to us, isn't it? We've got missionaries who have done this exact thing. They've packed up shop. They've packed up everything they knew. There's a lot of missionaries that had a good, stable job, just like me and you. They had a nice, comfortable home, just like me and you. They had family in the town that they lived in, or in the country at least that they lived in. But they they gave that up for the Lord's calling, and they went. And they're being used by God. Just as Abraham here listened and did as God said, and because he listened to God's pro- listened to God, God promised him something. If we go over to chapter thirteen and verse fourteen to eighteen, it says there, "The Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thy eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed for ever." And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, pardon me, which is the Hebron, Hebron, in Hebron, sorry, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So I butchered that a bit. But Abram did as the Lord asked. He was dwelling and walking and talking with God. And he showed him what he wanted to do, what Abram what he wanted Abram to do, and he did it. And we can see the blessing that followed. What a blessing can be received if we but dwell with God and obey at his calling. Straight away, without delay. And this is a hard thing at times. But it must be done if we are to dwell with God. We go over to Genesis chapter 26. Try to make it easy and start in Genesis and slowly work through instead of going back and forth. Um, I was very tempted to do that. But in Genesis chapter 26 verses 1 to 5, it says there, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abram. Abraham and Isaac went unto, unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerir. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abram thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of earth be blessed because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my, kept my charge my commandments, my statutes and my laws so we can see um, the promise that God gave Abram and because Abram obeyed he was dwelling with God, walking with God talking with God, he knew what God wanted to do and it obeyed it um, Isaac also followed on and talked with God. 
and continued on with Isaac, that promise continued on with Isaac that he would make a great nation of him. God talked with Isaac as he did with Abram. He gave him important instructions on where to go and where not to go. And that's another important lesson for us. Sometimes the Lord says, go here, pack up, let's go. Sometimes the Lord says, stop, don't go there. Sometimes the Lord doesn't want us to be in certain areas at certain times. And if we're dwelling in God's living word, we will know where that is. God speaks to us through his living word, and if we're in it, we'll know. Because Isaac listened and did not go to Egypt, God blessed him greatly with the many provisions. (coughs) Skip over now to Genesis chapter 32, and we'll look at one more um, Old Testament hero that walked and dwelt with the Lord. Um, Genesis 32 Verses 24 to 30. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name and me shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it thou hast asked after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So I've gone on this, this point here. Jacob, Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob dwelt with God firsthand and actually wrestled with him. Due to Jacob continuing on and not giving up, God blessed him and told him that he would have power with God and with man. God gives us this same power in the form of prayer. It is the way we talk with God today and many times it's how sometimes we wrestle with God through the reading of his word and through prayer and obedience. We need to be consistent with prayer in season and out of season, dealing with our sins in our lives and asking God to give us wisdom and power to live. Sometimes, like I said before, if sin is in in our life, there's a separation there. We need to get into the word and we need to find what God wants us to do and confess our sins. And sometimes it's very easy to get into this routine of you read your passage for the morning, um, you say your prayer and then you're done, you're gone. But do we dwell on that? Do we think about what the Lord said? Do we wrestle with that word throughout the day? And I know I constantly have to do this sometimes. I'm not, I'm only a plumber, so sometimes I don't, get things the first time I read them. So I take them away and I, I think about it. Sometimes I'm pulling out my phone throughout the day and looking at that passage again and going over it and over it, wrestling with the Lord until he gives me a blessing from it. The gems and the gold are not going to be found by skipping over the, over the, over the surface. You have to dig deeper. We have to get in there and know what God wants us to hear. And we need to pray. Just as um, Jacob wrestled and didn't give up, 
until the morning. That's a, that's a fair effort. We need to do the same thing in the Word of God. And it, we need to do that this so we can live a godly life before man that we might have power or influence in their lives to bring them to salvation. It's only if we live right that other people around us will see that we're different. If we just carry on like them, it's not going to make any difference. They won't see that we are different and they won't ask why we live differently. We don't need to go bash them over the heads with the Bible or Bible verses. They will come to us if we're living the right way. But we need to first of all know that we're in the right position, dwelling with God. So these are with a few faithful men who dwelt with God and many more could be added to this list through the Old Testament. But now, oh, now I'll look at the next chapter of Earth's history in regard to how God dwelt with man. And we'll go over this a little bit quicker. And that is in the tabernacle and temple. So if we go over to Exodus chapter 13 and verses 21 and 22. And it says there, And the Lord went before them by, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them through the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So the Lord dwelt with them in the pillar of cloud and fire. God has chosen his people many years beforehand and now he was bringing them into the promised land. He dwelt with them by leading them through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. I, I, I let my imagination run wild when I thought about this and what an awesome sight it would have been. It wouldn't have been, when we look at clouds, we sort of see them and they're moved by the um, winds or moved by the, um, the weather patterns. And they all go the same direction. So if Israel did that, they would have just gone the way the weather would have taken them. But this cloud didn't move like that. It was a pillar. It was unnatural. It wasn't a normal cloud. And this would have been a sign to the nations around them. It didn't just dissipate and go to rain or evaporate, it was a definite, definite sign by God that he was leading th these people. So the fire was. It didn't burn out. It didn't burn to the point where it just dissipated out like a normal fire would. And we can think of Moses in the burning bush. It was burning, but it didn't consume the actual material, the actual bush. It continued on um, burning. And then when God left, the, the bush was still there. So we can just imagine how um, unnatural and, and how this would have stood out to the nations around who saw Israel going through the wilderness. God leads us with some very, very clear, definite signs today. And some people say, oh, I don't believe God. Well, they're blinded. It's not that they, they, um, God doesn't show them, it's that they don't want to see. Their sin has blindfolded them. And he leads us very clearly by definite ways in the form of his word. And it's only when we are not in his word and dwelling in it that we lose our way in this life. Right. It's when we get away, when we're not talking, we're not walking and dwelling with God that we'll start drifting away. If we go over to Exodus chapter 19, 
And we'll get to the tabernacle and temple soon, but I just want to look at a couple of points where God's presence was seen. Um, chapter 19, verses 17 to 19. It says there, Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at, at the neither part of the mountain. And the mount, mountain Sinai was altogether a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it with fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. <clears throat> so again, we see in Mount Sinai, God spoke. What an awesome sight this would have been to see a whole mountain on fire. And again, I've let my imagination go wild again. But it says there like a smoke of a furnace. When we see a bushfire or you burn a bush or a bit of grass, it sort of goes and it's gone. I'm sure um, Mr. Dunn would, can tell us about the, the intense bushfires he's seen. But then you go one step further and you go to a furnace that can melt metal. And it says that the smoke was as a furnace. It was not just the trees and grass on fire, but the actual earth and rocks themselves were glowing red hot with a like a furnace. Again, I let my imagination run wild. But God had warned them not to go near the mountain, lest they die. Because his glory was upon that mountain, the whole mountain. But I think just the heat alone would have been enough for them to go, oof. And they backed off. Just to get a bit of an, a visual on this, Mount Sinai was 2,285 metres high, the believed Mount Sinai. Mount Bogon, which is a mountain near us, is 1,986, so about 300 metres higher than Mount Bogon. We don't know at what level they started at, at sea level, but we can just get the, the size in our head. Now that's on fire like a furnace. This would have been an awesome sight. God's presence is always seen in Scripture as an awesome sight to behold, and in most cases, humans could not even look directly at it due to the, his intense shining glory. When Moses came back after dwelling with God, his face shone with the absorbed glory from being in the presence of God, and he wore a hood to stop the people seeing that glory slowly dissipate. We too should come before the throne of grace with this reverence and understanding of how awesome God is. The God that wants to dwell with you and me. This was the same God that made this glory shine upon Mount Sinai. The same God that was in that cloud and that pillar of fire. So what reverence should we come to the Lord with in prayer? The God that wants to dwell with you and me. Hopefully we shine in this wicked world due to being in the presence of God continually through prayer and through the reading of his word. And I think you're getting that, that um, constant um, thing coming through, that it's through prayer and the reading of his word. Again, as I said in the last point, it's only if we don't have this continued fellowship and dwelling with God that we will stumble and fall in life. And most importantly, we will not be a shining light to the wicked world around us. So we looked at the cloud um, and the pillar of fire in Mount Sinai. And now we get to the actual tabernacle in Ephesians chapter 25 and verse 8 and 9. It says there, 
And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. Um, Miles touched on this this morning. There are six chapters of how God wanted this constructed. I haven't seen a set of plans that are that detailed. Normally when you get a set of plans these days, you have to make up half of it, make up half of it because the architect or the, the um, designer doesn't really know what they're on about. But this was detailed. God was very detailed in his instructions on how to build and assemble the tabernacle in the following chapters. God's presence was going to dwell with Israel in the tabernacle and this was God's want to be with his people. God was a God of order and everything in the tabernacle had to be just as God instructed. This highlights the importance that God puts on keeping our current tabernacle in order, which we will look on later on in the sermon and I think maybe I'll have to preach that part of the sermon later on a different day. But we are to keep it clean and pure with the utmost care and diligence so God can dwell with us. Where do we take our temple? What do we say with our temple? Who do we speak with? And, and all the time, continually, what do we do in secret with our temple? Just a couple of thoughts. I'm sorry, the tabernacle, I've skipped ahead there. But if we go over to Exodus now, chapter 40, just two more points and I promise I'll finish. Chapter 40, verse 34, it says there, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation, because the cloud abode there, thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the children of Israel went on in their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. Cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and the fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So God's glory filled the tabernacle here. It was constructed, and after the construction of the tabernacle, Moses put it all the parts together outside the camp, and it was now ready for God to come into the tabernacle and fill it with his glory. God God abode with Israel, and this word is transliterated um, Shekinah. We've heard that before, Shekinah glory. Moses himself was then not able to enter into the tent of the congregation due to God's great, powerful glory filling it. When the cloud or fire moved away from the tabernacle, this meant it was time to pack up and move on and follow God's presence. This is a great picture for us in our life. As God sees fit, he will want us to move and do his will. And we touched on this earlier. It is not always that we just settle into the same old routine day in and day out, week in, week out. God wants, may want us to take on a new ministry. He may want us to go on a missions trip. He may want us to go visit the elderly or those who are sick. He may want us to prepare a meal and take it to someone in need. When I thought about this, and I've had this thought before, with young people these days, we we give them a good education, we get them to get a basic idea of um, reading and spelling and all that, which is a good thing. But we seem to say the options after that is you go 
and get an apprenticeship or you go to uni and you get a job and you settle in. But I think really the first option should be, what about dedicating your life to the Lord Jesus Christ in full-time ministry? I know that was given to me, but I didn't consider it well enough. And I think that needs to be considered by young people at that age, in year 11 and 12. And I think you should finish year 12 because that will help you in the ministry to read and to write, to understand God's word. But you need to consider that because God um, wants to have control of our lives. When his presence moves, we've got to follow it. And even at, as we said from a young person, doesn't matter what age you are, you need to be dwelling with God and ready to do his will. Even, though, even if it might be becoming a, master, uh, a pastor or a missionary. The most important thing is to be faithful and to be ready to God's will and follow him anywhere at any time. And the last one in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. And it says there, It came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So again, the, God's glory filled the temple. First it filled the tabernacle, now we see it fit, filling the temple. The people of Israel now, now were in the promised land and Solomon had built a beautiful temple for God to dwell in. And we can, um, if we, go, we went back, we won't, but in chapter 6, verse 11 to 14, God promises him that if he lives right and dwells with him and does what he wants him to do, that he will come in and dwell in this temple. The priest went and brought the ark, once it was all ready, went and brought the ark from the tent that David had pitched for it and brought it into the inner sanctuary of the temple. The staves were brought out enough to be seen in the holy place before the oracle to be a reminder of God's faithfulness to them during the 40 years of discipline in the wilderness. The priest went out and again the Shekinah glory of the Lord filled the sanctuary with the cloud so that the priest could not enter in just as it was in the tabernacle and Moses couldn't go in. The sins of the people had caused the presence of God to leave the tabernacle, but the Lord had mercy and again came and dwelt with these people. And we can see that through all Israel's history. He, dwell, he comes, he wants to dwell with them, he wants to be in communion with, with them, but they sin. They go into idolatry, they disobey God. But before we judge Israel, how are we walking? Aren't we exactly the same? I know I am. We go through life as Christians walking and talking with God, especially when we're first saved. We're really intense. We really want to know God's will. But then because we live in this wicked world and we're humans, we give into our old sin nature and before we know it, we're nowhere near where God wants us to be. And uh, we forget to pray. We forget to read God's word and dwell with him. And we stumble away from God. It is never that God walks away from us. It is our sin that brings the separation between us and God. And I'll, leave, I'll finish on that point tonight. And hopefully you can get something from that. And maybe in the future, um, if the Lord wills, we can finish that, that sermon. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. 
for um, your word. We thank you that it's so clear throughout all history that you've wanted to dwell with us, Lord. And Lord, please help us as individuals to want to dwell with you, constantly checking ourselves, Lord, being in prayer day in and day out, confessing our sins, Lord, that there would be nothing between us. In your wonderful and precious name, amen.